Gonzaga Nation SI on the Gonzaga Nation Media Network, one of the best Zags in recent memory, one of the greatest shooters of Gonzaga history, joins us today, Kyle Wilcher. Kyle, how's it going? Man, I'm good. I appreciate you having, having me on. I thought you were describing yourself for a second. <laughs> uh, well, when I said recent memory, I don't think I fall into those that category because uh, it's been quite a while since I've played. You're still playing. You're playing at a really high level right now. Tell us what is uh, the next steps in your pro career? Yeah, for me, uh, just taking it one year at a time. Last season, I played in, the, in Spain in the ACB. Uh, it was a great level. Played in European competition with the Champions League. And uh, we were the champions there. So I'm just sifting through free agency. It's crazy because every time I get home, I tell my trainer that this is the biggest off season. So as you know, when you're in the, in the grind of playing, the grind doesn't stop and you just take, you just try to, to, to thug out one year at a time. The, the grind of the off season is an interesting one for, for current pros. Uh, the social media aspect has definitely changed since I've played I know over the last couple of summers, you've spent a lot of time at the Portland Pro-Am, which has been kind of had a resurgence. Uh, the Seattle crossover league that Jamal Crawford runs uh, has had a lot of eyes on it over the last couple of weeks. What does your typical summer look like and how do you play Pro-Ams? Yeah, I mean, if I just kind of, um, it's kind of a fluid situation. I'm always just home, you know, spending time with the family. Uh, my Monday through Friday, I'm always gym regardless. So I'm doing my, you know, weight room uh, routine. I'm getting my shots up, but um, me and my trainer have just kind of, we're fluid. Like, so if there's pro-am games, if there's pickups, stuff like that, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of just playing as much as possible, you know, because that's the best, best way to get in shape for the next season. Um, and so I've been just trying to hoop. And like you said, I've been trying to support the Portland pro-am as much as I can, just because I'm a Portland guy and, it's just fun getting everyone together and and you know how it is just running into familiar faces and stuff like that so uh for me it's fun being home but it's fun getting to play and, and get to see these uh little leagues pop up so you mentioned portland guy you know i i didn't grow up in portland i was born in portland grew up in vancouver which i moved to when i was in second grade there's been some underrated really good players out of the portland area i would throw yourself in the mix there but i'm gonna put you on the spot give me your five guys to start a franchise with from the Portland area I've got five written on my list right here I want to hear your five yeah so are you included in the list is the question. I didn't include myself because there's okay. two other point guards that I have to put above me I mean I I there's you got to start with uh I just saw Mighty Mouse the other day Damon Stoudemire he's he's on there um I'm, I'm just going with recent memory guys so you got to put Kevin Love uh you know put put him at the center you got uh, one of the one of my favorite players in high school was uh, you know looking up to Kyle Singler. Uh, he was he was from the Medford area. Uh, then you got Terrence Ross, who's niched out a great career in the NBA. So uh, so it's at four, and I'm, I got to I got to start on the squad as well. So I'm I'm number five on there. <laughs> Some really good names there, you know. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Terrence Ross was a guest on one of my podcasts a few months back. He should be on the list, but then you have to start leaving off guys like AC Green, Terrell oh, yeah. Brandon. See, uh, I'm not, I'm not in the OG category yet, so I didn't get to see their games, but like face to face. But man, there's been a lot of guys uh, like you're saying that have come through the Portland area. 
Yeah, I mean, Ime Udoka's one. Uh, here's an under-the-radar guy. And constant listeners to my podcast will know this name, Josh Hall. Have you had a chance to play with Josh Hall since? I know, I know Josh. Florida. I know Josh very well. He's a hell of a player. He's, he's that guy you want on your team 10 out of 10 times. He's tough. I mean, he's yeah, that's Steve's guy, right? Steve Blake's guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he's, Steve Blake are really close friends now. Yeah, he's amazing. So let, let's go to your kind of uh, upbringing with the game of basketball. I understand your dad played at a high level. He represented the Canadian national team. Um, was he one of your in, first influences in the game of basketball before you got to Jet and played for a really good high school coach in Gene Potter? Yeah, for sure. You know, growing up, um, he was always, you know, had me in the gym, obviously around the house, seeing all his his Canada basketball memorabilia. And he kind of got me in that pipeline. So uh, he was definitely, you know, all the way until school was uh, me those old school, uh, teaching me those old school. Sorry about that. You there? Yeah. Lost you here. Hold on. There you are. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, so he, he coached me all the way till high school. And then uh, once I got to high school, kind of AAU basketball took over and, uh, you know, obviously the Jesuit. So my first experience as a color analyst on the broadcasting side was your state title your senior year. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a chance to go back and, and grade myself as a broadcaster. I know you've made comments recently about trying your hand at broadcasting because Kentucky and Gonzaga are going to play. And we'll get into Kentucky days in a little bit. Um, but what are your thoughts about what you want to do uh, when you're done playing? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple things in the works. You know, I've, uh, you know, trying to do some real estate development. So, that's kind of a side hustle I'm, I'm doing. Uh, I'm, I'm actively working on my Oregon real estate license. So that's something I'll, you know, I'll do to make some money on the side. But um, I've been a Nike guy at heart my whole life. Um, commentating, you know, just because I love the game of basketball is always something that's intrigued me. You know, I've looked up to guys like yourself, just being able to be in the game still, even though you're retired, you're still around the game every day. So, um, yeah, you know, when I saw Kentucky play Gonzaga, uh, it was just one of those things I just, you know, you know how prevalent social media is. You throw something out there, everyone runs wild with it. So uh, it actually led to some opportunities for me off the court. So one of those is I'm going to try to commentate some, uh, you know, FIBA international games. And because I've obviously been playing the last six years overseas, so I got a lot of expertise and I uh, have a lot of connections over there. So uh, I definitely want to give it a shot and kind of get my feet wet with it. And then I would love to, you know, I feel like I provide some valuable insight on because I've played, I'm a unique case where I played for both programs. You are a unique case. I mean, I, I would imagine if there was a UW Gonzaga game that was, uh, you know, looking for a broadcaster outside of uh, somebody's contracted, there would be fans who would like me or dislike me. Where would do you think you fall in with the the Kentucky fans as well as the Gonzaga fans if you were to call that game? I think there's a, a handful of people that that will still love me, but there'll definitely be some haters out there because. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I would definitely be that guy that'd be like, oh, he's just, you know, sucking up to both sides. But, you know, to be honest, I'm not even trying to be politically correct. It's just I have love for both programs. I spent it's not like I just spent a couple months on Kentucky's campus. I spent two years there. Uh, then I transferred to Gonzaga and spent three seasons there. So 
I have a you know place, piece of my heart with both programs. I just want to see the success of both. I, I can't really say who I'd want to win, but uh, I definitely, you know, uh, being a Zag most recently, I definitely have uh, some some more recent memories there. So have you called either Coach Cal or Coach Few or sent them a text message and say, hey, put in a good word to at least have me have a four-minute segment wherever you're going to be playing in Europe or overseas next year? So let's go back to your uh, your time at Kentucky. Uh, obviously, Coach Calipari, I, I don't know him the way you did because I didn't play for him, but we've talked on a couple occasions. He recruits unbelievably high, talented guys, and then he finds a way to put them together and have a lot of success in a hurry. You won a national title there. What was your experience with Coach Cal and then at Kentucky? You know, I had nothing but positive experience from there. Um, it's one of those atmospheres that I chose to go to initially. You know, Gonzaga was on my radar in high school as well. But when I went to Kentucky, it was like, I just wanted to, I saw myself trying to get to the NBA. And I, I felt like if I couldn't play and, and get any minutes at Kentucky, then I didn't belong in the NBA. So I went there, um, you know, it's a really strongly competitive atmosphere. You're playing against high level guys every single day. And, and that was the toughest part is like, if you're having an, an off night or you're not playing well, it's the next guy up. So for me, that was a huge reason I chose to, to move schools to Gonzaga is I wanted that pressure on my shoulders where, Hey, I'm having an off night against St. Mary's, we might lose, you know? So I think for the growth of my game, like that was one step where I felt like Gonzaga favored my case at that point in time uh, a little better. That's so insightful. And I a hundred percent agree with that is the fact that I think a lot of the times for players, a missing link is having the pressure on your shoulders to kind of perform night in and night out to have your team win. What was it about Gonzaga and your red shirt year when you decided to transfer that helped you take that mentality, run with it, improve in it on in that and be ready to go when you could finally play again? Yeah, for me, uh, when I was at Kentucky, I was more so a three-point specialist. You watch all the film, and I'm coming in six-man off the bench, and I'm shooting threes, just all threes, you know, not a lot of posting up. And when I transferred to Gonzaga, I kind of got to get back to my roots, of kind of how I played more in high school, where I played a lot of inside out. So I think that's when I watched uh, Olenek uh, do the whole redshirt program. Yeah, he got stronger and bigger and stuff. There's a lot of it is confidence, and that whole year off, you're able to kind of make yourself uncomfortable and do things like I'm, you know, Gonzaga is, is a high level program. I went there and I struggled that redshirt year because I'm having to post up against Karnowski. I'm having to post up against these bodies I've never seen before. So for me, like that was my biggest growth. My redshirt year is being able to work on the inside out because as a shooter, it opens your game up more if you're able to do more than just be a one trick pony, you know? How about the influence of the secondary staff at Gonzaga? And I hate calling them secondary staff because obviously Coach Few is a, a Hall of Famer. But, you know, B. Mike is an unbelievably talented coach. When he's ready, he's going to run a, with a program kind of like what Tommy Lloyd's doing at Arizona. You know, how big of a support were those guys to you in expanding your game, that redshirt year, but also the two years you played? Oh, man, those guys are invaluable. I mean, just just have having guys that just genuinely care about you off the court, but also they're in the gym with us late at night, you know, B Mike, you know, like you said, he's going to be a head coach someday. Um, whether it's at Gonzaga or another program, like that guy 
he's got an incredible basketball mind, but it's more than that. He's the one that's put in the time, the guys like Tommy, uh, even guys like Ricardo Foy, you know, like now at Arizona, those guys are what makes us that program so great. It's a family. And, and for me, it was invaluable working on my game when, when no one's watching, getting in those reps, you know, sometimes it's boring being in the gym, shooting thousand shots, but for, for me, having guys that cared about you enough to help you, uh, you know, work on those things was, was huge. Outside of Gonzaga's basketball staff or your current agent, who, who's the guy that you look to for uh, uh, being a good sounding board as far as improving your game? Because a lot of times, once you get to that pro level, um, you have to f- think outside the box to really expand your game and get better. For sure. You know, I've just stayed true to, you know, my inner circle. And, you know, I've had two trainers my whole life, uh, Jason Fawcett and and Jeremy Nesbitt here at Clutch Players. So um, they've been kind of my soundboard, you know, not just my game, but also, you know, mentally too, because the game takes a toll on you mentally. There's ups, there's downs, and it's just staying level-headed through them, through that. Um, has been key and just having two guys where I can come train with in the off season and also bounce ideas off of has been huge. So give me your favorite college basketball experience, whether it's Kentucky or Gonzaga, and then give me your most disappointing basketball experience, either Kentucky or Gonzaga. Yeah. I mean, they both, both revolve around as, as Zag fans know is the NCAA tournament. It's, it's either heartbreak, you know, or, and most of the time it is heartbreak. And that's the thing because that tournament, I think, you know, my best memory was without a doubt when I was with Kentucky winning the national championship, you know, even if you play five minutes or 10 minutes of the game and on that team, which I, I was playing around 10 minutes, it's all the countless hours you put in the study halls, everything, it's the culmination of a whole year of all that work you know, listen to Calipari yell at you, you know, all of those moments like made it worth the sacrifice you make, you know? Um, and so winning the championship is the number one goal in college. And that was the best memory I've ever had. And, and I think that's the kind of goes down to the, the lowest point, you know, in my career is just losing in the NCAA tournament, you know, twice, you know, basically I had two years to do it with Gonzaga, but when we lost to Duke, you know, in that elite eight, and then we lost to Syracuse where we were kind of the underdogs at that point, you know, losing and you just, you don't feel, you feel like you, you not only, you know, let yourself down, but you let down the Zag nation fan base because they're so close. They're going to, I know they're going to win a national championship at some point, but it doesn't make it, it doesn't make those uh, hard moments any, any easier. Yeah. I it, my senior year when we lost in the NCAA tournament is probably the lowest point of my basketball career. I don't think I've gone back and watched that game since. Mm-hmm. Have you gone back and watched that Duke game or the Syracuse game? No, sir. And uh, unfortunately, uh, oh, fortunately and unfortunately, I had a, a fellow Duke player rent live in my house. And he, he made me, he reminded me he left the Duke picture in, in the house when he left. So so thank you, Justice Winslow, for leaving that in my house. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if Gonzaga were to win a national title, which I think is just around the corner, you alluded to it, what, what is the sense of pride going to be for you having played one of the foundational pieces of continuing to build that program to where it is? I'd be extremely proud. I mean, it's I was there at the Final Four when they made it, you know, just recently. I 
uh, was really lucky to be there. And I thought that was the year, but I think that's a huge point you make is like guys like you and guys like Morris and all these, all these players who have been to Gonzaga, it's that family who continue to go back. But every time I'm back, people are there, you know, I think those pieces are an important part of the whole story. And um, it's, it's just, uh, I think that's what few has been so great and why he's a whole famer is just continued success. And, uh, when I'll just change your verbiage when they win the championship, uh, it'll be a great moment for all, all the, the, the current and recent, uh, Zag players. So coach few for all of us, former players kind of have, has this kind of uh, sarcastic streak to him. Do you have any memories or quick stories you can share about coach few where you just had to walk away from a conversation and just shake your head and be like, that's coach few. Man, I, I can't think of one in particular. Um, but like you said, Coach Few is a funny guy because I could go two years without speaking to him. And the first thing he's going to do is he'll walk up to me. And I think the first thing he'll say is, oh, well, she got some tattoos on your arm. Like, what's that about? You know, so he, he's just he's one of those guys. He's got no filter. And and that's the that's the joy of, you know, having that relationship is like, you know, time is flying by. I feel like I was just at Gonzaga and. I've been meaning to get up there, but I think, you know, just seeing, just having guys like him and, and, you know, B Mike, who I saw actually in the Portland area a week ago, it's just, it's just really cool to see that family atmosphere. NIL is a different beast now for college athletes. I know you would have made a killing at Kentucky, but also at Gonzaga years ago. Uh, you went to one of my barber shops in Spokane with Rem Backamus. You guys put a social media post out there. We both got phone calls from compliance saying to take it down. If you were at Gonzaga now, what would your go-to business be for an NIL opportunity be? Oh, man. Um, I think I think a, a huge part of the NIL is just because there's so many brands out there. It's just, and I think that's where if I was actually speaking with a company who was trying to get me on board with them, which I'm still playing. So I can't really do that now, but essentially these companies are coming in now kind of like agents and are kind of trying to organize these players, because I think with the amount of brands out there, it's kind of overwhelming for players. So to answer your question, if I was getting an ideal, it's, it's more so like, what do I want my brand to be like? What, what when you see Kyle Wiltshire, like what's he affiliated with, you know? So I think it's becoming a little cloudy right now just because it's like a lot very fast for these players. Um, but at the end of the day, money talks. So if, if you're throwing me a million dollars to put AK, uh, James Harden had a deal where if he wore the black Kinesio tape on his right arm, they'd pay him a million dollars. Cause I asked him, I said, well, what's going on with your shoulder? Are you hurt? Cause you've been wearing the tape all year. Like what's going on? gonna heal he's like oh no they just give me a million to wear this so i think that's that's the deal that's the deal i'd want oh man i need some I, my shoulders bothering me too i yeah. mean like let's go right maybe maybe <laughs> you can wear some tape on your podcast and get get a check for it i guess so or or maybe when uh heister and fox and i call the regional games at gonzaga we'll come up with something unique but i guarantee it won't be a million dollars it'd be more like ten dollars in spokane yeah. for us <laughs> hey, now. ten, We're not ten like dollars is a haircut <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly hey last question you played in an era where gonzaga was just about to break through to make their first final four so you kind of have a nice perspective of the early years 
that kind of struggled breakthrough years. And now you're watching the teams get into the final four. If there was one player you would love to have had added to your team to get to a final four, um, who would that guy have been? And why would he have he been the difference maker? Mm, that's a question. Um, I think when, so if you look at our team that lost to, to Duke, you know, we were just right there. We were, I think that was the the key point is like, we were just on the verge of getting there. Um, I think if, if we could have added one player, you know, I, one guy I really respected a lot. I mean, he's a, he's a friend of mine is Justice Winslow. He's just kind of like a guy that's just a jack of all trades that you don't need any offense. Awesome. Well, good stuff. Hey, Kyle, I know you're in the midst of figuring out your next steps professionally, but uh, we appreciate the time. Um, this is the time of year where if you don't have a deal, you're finalizing a deal. So best of luck with wherever you sign, because I'm sure whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Asia, whether it's a training camp deal, uh, they're going to be lucky to have you. So thanks for joining.